Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing One Dance with the Duke by Tessa Dare. This was published in 2011 and is the first book in the Stud Club trilogy. Which uh, is one of the few of her series that we have not reviewed yet, so we're going to do it. It's also a relatively early series. And no hate, because overall I enjoyed this, you can tell. I agree 100%. So what is this book about, Lane? A handsome and reclusive horse breeder, Spencer Dumarc, the fourth Duke of Moreland, has a reputation as the dashing Duke of Midnight. Each evening, he selects one lady for a breathtaking midnight waltz. But none of the ladies of the town catch his interest for long, until Lady Amelia Dorsey tries her luck. In an effort to get the Duke to forgive her brother's debts, Amelia claims the Duke's dance. But she is playing a dangerous game with a notorious rake. I feel like this is not the the copy that was on the mass market paperback. That's all I will say about that. <laughs> Bless you. Bless yeah. You. Yeah. Um. Also, <laughs> you think there'd be any lip service played to what the stud club is? No. We'll even talk about it. I don't know. I will say, though, I was reading it and I was like, Duke of Midnight, that's Maximus. <laughs> in, in the Maiden Lane series, I did look it up and Duke of Midnight was published in 2013. So Elizabeth Hoyt actually stole it from Tessa Dare. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, yeah, this is the most generic jacket I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, none of it's technically wrong. He's not seeking a wife, but it's not wrong that none, none of the ladies of the town caught his interest. Yeah. I mean, uh, he purposely dances with people who he doesn't think will catch his interest, actually. Right, and he's not actually a notorious rake, but that's the reputation he's gotten because of this whole dance with one lady in bail situation. Mm -hmm. So they don't have a problem with the jacket. It's just kind of a nothing burger. Absolutely nothing. Like, this, this, this jacket is, this is a historical romance. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, you know? And you're like, okay, I'll read a historical romance. Why not? There's a duke, there's a waltz, there's a rake. <laughs> um, Meg's 19 word summary is better so I'm going to do mine first okay <laughs> Amelia decides to negotiate with her brother Slenda via waltz and end up a duchess tracking wayward people down sounds good to me also more informative than the book jacket so yeah but barely I so is yours <laughs> here's my 19 word summary after one dance and two carriage rides, one death announcement, and a couple of refused proposals, Amelia Mary Spencer. Yes. Okay, this one is a trope factory, and I love it, and I keep coming up with more, so we need to do the trope section, so I stop adding more to the list. <laughs> so, I mean, my, I, as usual, I, I only contributed, like, two or three tropes because I can identify the big ones, but all the rest just sort of blend together. 
<laughs> but basically she gets quote unquote ruined because she was out all night with Spencer. So then he has to propose a marriage of convenience afterwards. But he doesn't really have to. No. Which was a twist I did like. Yes. So a lot of times, like, they'll, they'll be a, they'll either actually have been ruined or they're, the, the author will try to present it as there was no way out. That oh, is yeah. absolutely not the case here. They spend all night together having disappeared, but they were legitimately tending to a friend in a moment of extreme loss and bereavement and were with other people the entire time who totally could have vouched for them. Yeah. So she ends up agreeing because strategically she realizes it's a good idea. Oh, well, he, he basically bribes her. He's like, I'm going to give you this much money and I'm going to do yep. this for your family and I'm going to do this for them. And then you can do whatever you want with your pin money. I mean, it's really. Yep. I mean, I, I would have said yes. <laughs> oh, and this is one of those things that if she hadn't, we would have been like, come the fuck on. Your life is pathetic. Absolutely. We would have been like, are you really turning this guy down? Are you really turning this guy down? Yeah. All right. And then the other trope I came up with is that he's a man who refuses to feel emotions, basically. (laughs) Oh, my God. There's a British Duke with feeling problems. What? Reinventing the wheel here. (laughs) Yeah. So he can't, he won't love her, but it's not because she's not lovable. It's because he just can't love anyone because he doesn't feel anything in his dark, dank heart. Except for his horse. His horse and his sister. Ward. Cousin Ward. Ward. Cousin Ward, niece, whatever. Um, Yeah, because that's in my tropes. So. Um, she, in the spirit of all good Amelia's, Amelia Hathaway, is like mother hen to a nest of mangy siblings, including one wastrel brother who fell apart after someone important to him died and found solace in the bottom of a bottle in gaming hells. Sound familiar? I mean, it sounds like 20 other novels. <laughs> <laughs> Except her name's also Amelia. Also true. Um, good point. Gambling-centered conflict. <laughs> yes. There's, this, and, there's so much of it. And and a gambling-centric subplot. Yes. I was doing so much gambling. Her brother has TM, lost the family home at the tables. Mm-hmm. Um, and her husband is gambling to try to get this horse. Yes. But I'm not even going to explain that. Whatever. Um, <laughs> that's, the, that's the whole point of the stud club. Yeah. So there is a woman who is super tied to her land, and I believe the family estate is up near Scotland, if not in Scotland. It was yeah. up north. But I, she's not the main holding, but like the sub holding. She's like obsessed with, and it's every happy memory she ever had as a girl. And this house is like the definition of home to her. Mm-hmm. The whole reason he goes back to society is because he has an obstinate ward who needs a mother's last chaperone. Now, he doesn't go to find the mother slash chaperone. He's just going to, like, reintroduce himself to society so he can bring her out. So that when she comes out, yeah. But in the very beginning, the reason in the course of this one weird evening that Meg describes so succinctly in her summary, he decides, oh, shit, I should propose to this woman. I have an excuse. I sort of ruined her. And she'd have to say yes because her life is pathetic. 
the reason he's so motivated. So romantic, this book. <laughs> the reason he's so motivated, he was like, oh, fuck, I need to provide for my ward. Not yeah. even kidding. He's like, he is, this is, there's 97,000 books about this exact thing with various levels of intent from the guy. Yes. Yep. What, and what, sometimes it's a ward, sometimes it's his daughter, sometimes it's his sister. An heir. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, slight um, deviation from a trope. Instead of a waltz in a ga- garden fondle, this is a waltz in a garden breakdown. Yeah, because Spencer is extremely socially awkward and has extreme social anxiety, which is why he only comes for one dance at midnight. Which I would also like to call trope, guy who has a secret medical condition. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She's the impoverished chubby wallflower. There are only a billion of those. (laughs) She's also on the shelf. She Mm -hmm. is every... She's obviously a stunner, but she's kept herself in the shadows or something. I don't know. But Unlike some other impoverished chubby wallflowers who are on the shelf, she did cry off a first wedding. She did have, she did at least have the chance to get married, but she cried off. Um, he buys her a good wardrobe. So this is a case of woman who was forgotten or like looked over, gets confidence and a good dress, including, I actually think this is another thing I'm going to copyright, a writing habit of sex. Her, oh my God, Lane, this writing habit sounded so sexy. I wanted it. It's Guys, it's made out of velvet, but mm-hmm. it's described that, you know, the nap of the fabric is changed so that it like glitters in the sun and all this stuff. And it's so beautiful. But I have to tell you, because of course they get it on while she's wearing this writing habit. I was thinking to myself, there are going to be handprints all over this velvet. <laughs> Good. I mean, I don't hate it, but I did because, of course, they get interrupted because they always do. I was like, you got to, like, brush that velvet down, girl. What do you think you have a lady's maid for? Well, but they get interrupted in, like, she didn't have the lady's maid there with her. True. Um, And I think the last trope I just want to mention here is the plan upon their marriage is for them to produce an heir and then go their separate ways. That's the deal. Um. That's actually, okay, so this is one of my first notes, is that this is an early Tessa Dare. It's not a whimsical Tessa Dare. That said, there are these flashes of things that you're going to see later. So, for example, in the Duchess deal, what do they agree to do? They agree that they're going to have sex, she's going to make a baby, and then they'll go their separate ways. (laughs) Also in the Duchess deal... She agrees to his marriage because she's not an idiot and she has a really crummy life and he's going to give her a lot of the money. So it's like very similar to this one. And she throws in one condition. What's the condition in the Duchess deal? She wants her cat. Remember this? Yep. Yep. And this this one, one, she doesn't have a cat, but she does ask him if he likes cats. Right. So she asks him. If she can have one, and he's like, mm-hmm. sure. In Duchess Deal, she goes out and finds a mangy stray just to piss him off. <laughs> so it's I I really like like this this like proto Tessa Dare, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think Spencer wasn't quite as well developed as I've come to expect from her heroes, or quite as sympathetic. Yeah, Amelia had a few too many doormat tendencies. For a modern, like, I think Amelia would have expressed herself differently Mm -hmm. if Tessa Dare wrote her today. 
Um, and I didn't love the resolution with the ward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she leaned in a little too hard to a lot of things I don't love in modern romance novels. And mm-hmm. I don't know that she would have approached it the same way. I like it's historically accurate, but I don't know if she would have approached it the same way today. Yeah. Um, there's some other ideas I found. So, or whimsical ideas. So it, it starts out very Tessa Dare-esque where she's at the ball and she's a wallflower, but she's not like pissed off about it. She's like, I'll spend this time planning my menu. And the food sounded amazing. Like the, the, the book basically just starts with her being like, Hmm, I think I will put a raspberry glaze on that. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that does sound really good. Go girl. Um, and then, oh, yes, she says, she makes a joke. She says she knows why he comes in at midnight, does one dance, and then leaves. And it's because he turns into a ravenous, ravaging were hedgehog. And it made me think of the Wallflower Wager. Because remember, she took yes, hedgehog. But one, I loved that joke. One, because it showed her sense of humor in the beginning. But also because the way it comes up again later in a moment between them infuses humor into what is a really good relationship building moment in a way I think you will see from Tessa Dare going forward. Like, I actually thought that was really well executed. It was really good. Uh, And then I will say that for me, the ending, which, as Lane mentioned, does have to do with the word. For me, it came out of left field. I was like, oh, okay." So I don't think she would have done the same thing made the same choices for what happens but I think the idea of this thing that just like comes in out of nowhere and you're like oh okay so that's where we're going <laughs> very tested yeah yes I completely agree with everything you just said yeah so Spencer is the most ruthless cold-hearted rake not rake he's not a rake no he's He's a Westcliff-esque, I think, not in terms of the charm, but in terms of the very business interests, the ability to make money, the, like, prosperity. Yes. The care for his tenants, not at all in personality, but in the mold of the progressive duke who gets exactly what he wants. Right. But he's also, he's, I'm trying to think of, another hero to compare him with because I, I see the Westcliff comparison, but I also see him as it's like not perfect. the cold, like the cold I'm making cold hearted business decisions that I don't, I don't care about emotions. Right. Yeah. And that's I'm not sure Westcliff. I'm, but I'm I sure I'll think of like the exact hero to compare him with later. After we've stopped recording. Um, <laughs> obviously. Obviously. So, but, um, Yeah. So he's he's going around. He wants to join the stud club, which I'm actually not going to get into in great detail, but it involves tokens that you have to win. You can't buy the tokens. You have to win the tokens in games of chance. And there are 10 tokens. And if you get 10 of them, so all 10 of them means you have majority interest in the, not majority interest, total interest in a um a stallion but that was never the point right like it was set up so that 10 people would have access to this horse yes 
And then Spencer decides he wants the horse to himself and starts taking everyone's token. And everybody's just really confused because they're like, no, the whole point was it was like 10 people hanging out. And he's like, I don't care. I need the horse. (laughs) (laughs) It's like there's formal rules in place that like if you have all 10, you get the horse. Well, and the thing is, too, like he could have just gone to the president of the stud club and said, hey, can we can we lodge the horse in my estate? Like everyone can still have access to the horse. We can still do the same exact thing. Just I have the best stables for the horse. And I bet you he would have been like, cool. Sounds like a great idea. You've got a token. We can all do this. But instead, Uh, Spencer's like, no, I must gather all 10 tokens. And that's what I mean when it's just like he's he's got some growing to do. Right. This book also totally random, but just because we're talking about the stud club right now, opens with a murder. Yes, it does. <laughs> I thought it was a really cool concept. Yeah. Like it was not, I don't think I'd ever seen that before in a romance novel. Legitimately. Would, and there's very few things we haven't seen. It, it has been done in an Elizabeth Boyle. Okay. Interesting. Which I know we'll read, <laughs> but yeah. Okay, but yeah. unique, well-executed, very the weird. The thing that's funny to me, too, is, like, it opens with a murder, but then you're also like, wait, that is a potential hero that you just killed off. Yep. <laughs> that's what I thought. And, I mean, I'm so, I'm actually already so excited about Julian and Lily. Is her name Lily? The sister? so excited about it <laughs> because I'm like, I mean, you know, you can already tell well, that they're al- meant for each other. You can also already tell what the future tropes are going to be. And this is getting a little derailed, but like the other guy is a guy with a death wish. Like I am so excited about this series and I should like, it has some flaws in its execution, but hot damn, is it fun? It's I not whimsical, read- but it's fun. I want to read so much about the deaf heroine and the guy who will like play the piano but like the bass note so she can hear it you mean feel it well yes <laughs> that's what I meant anyway you oh. guys we're gonna recommend this and then we're gonna recommend reading the rest of it it's the Tessa Dare we know you're shocked okay so I said Spencer has social anxiety I have such a soft spot for these heroes because in my head canon, um Darcy the reason he was such an asshole is because he had social anxiety. <laughs> he didn't want to dance with people. <laughs> it's totally legit if you think about it. It is. And so th- that's just my headcanon. So when I read about heroes who actually have social anxiety, I'm like, oh, it's like the Darcy trope. But I know that's just me. But I still love it, though. It's interesting. I think I have less of a soft spot for it than you do. But I think... I also don't really have a soft spot for Darcy. Mm, Fair. I obviously read Pride and Prejudice multiple times, and I gave no shits about Darcy until I saw the Colin Firth version, and that's only because Colin Firth is hot. I don't know. I like like the hero with social anxiety. Even though here it wasn't... Was not exactly like a major part of his character. (laughs) Except when it was convenient. Yeah, which, whatever. On a more serious note, I do think she did actually a really, really good job with Amelia's younger brother. 
Mm-hmm. So her brother, since the death of their brother, her younger brother has really been thrown into a depression and he's dealt with it by gambling and drinking. So basically he's, he's dealing with it by becoming addicted to something with, by to gambling, to drinking, whatever. And I thought, to me, it just felt really realistic the way Amelia is trying to deal with it because you want to support that person. You understand why their behavior is so self-destructive, but you don't really know how to help them, right? This was one of the things I thought Modern Dare would have handled slightly better because at various points... Spencer, knowing it's wrong, presents the way she's interacting with her brother as, like, an ultimatum. Like, it's your brother and me in a way that I actually think made Spencer really unsympathetic, even though he was making good points. And it wasn't badly handled. And the point being made wasn't bad. I just think Dare today would execute it just a little differently. Yeah. For me the authenticity was not in how Spencer was dealing with it, but in how Amelia was trying to handle it. Oh, absolutely. And I think that has been true of Dare the entire time. And it was super well handled here. I think even Jeremy's, his name is Jeremy's sense of his own problems, I thought was really heart wrenching and authentic. So I I don't have a criticism of the facts of it. Mm -hmm. I, thought the way it was shoehorned into the weird ending was a little weird. The ending is really weird, guys. <laughs> Ending's weird. What can um, I say? And we say this with love about an author who had an ending where a rat turned out to be a love interest. Didn't like that. She does get too weird for me sometimes, but this wasn't weird in a, like, how am I taking this seriously way. This was like kind of out of left field, as Meg said, and also really dark, especially yes. given where the text had gone. Correct. And so I think this leads us pretty naturally into content warnings. Guys, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. There's a character who um, is pregnant. This character is a teenager. This character gets pregnant from statutory rape as an abuse of the position of her of a, of a person in power over her. So. And um, the ending also includes some suicidal ideation. Yeah. But those two things are both shoehorned just into the denouement. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that makes it better or worse that they're not I, really explored in I the text. I don't know if it makes it better. I really don't. Is it better or worse? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, Elaine, is this book sexy? Yes. Tessa Dare is real sexy. It was... You're a sucker for men with emotional issues and social anxiety. I'm a sucker for people who don't talk but have a lot of sex as their way of expressing feelings. (laughs) (laughs) they just their relationship is so dysfunctional but they just don't keep their hands off each other that 
said, she does put off the wedding night. Oh, I was so, I actually, so guys, I texted Lane and I was like, it's chapter five and they got married. And then I was going to write chapter eight. I bet it's the sex. I bet it's the wedding night. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to text that because if I know a romance novel, not going to happen. And it didn't. I want to talk about this in the context of the sexiness, though, because I think Tessa Dare intended for some of the scenes of her putting them off to be funny. Mm-hmm. And they were, but they were also really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, like, I didn't really know how to read them. I didn't love them. Yeah, me neither. And, like, I got what it was trying to do. But so the point is some very hot sex followed some of that. But I was so uncomfortable going into it. I'm like, I don't know how consensual this. Like, this is a guy who is taking, like, the, if we don't have sex soon, I am going to go crazy to a real extreme. Yes. And that can be funny, and I usually really like it. But, like, even though I don't have a problem with the sex itself, the build-up to it, I was not in love with. Yeah. Also, I have to point out, because apparently this is my job now, um, to point out blowjob scenes that I don't love. Oh my God, Meg. <laughs> I thought of, uh, but the problem is I now think of you every time there's a blowjob in a book, which is also not helpful. <laughs> I don't know if that's. <laughs> I'm just like, what's Meg going to think of this blowjob every time? <laughs> what did you think I was going to think? Uh, that it was a little too focused on his pleasure, which given her characterization wasn't, super positive <laughs> that's exactly what I thought <laughs> <laughs> okay I think that if you're gonna have a blowjob that's fine it's a part of a healthy sex life but <laughs> <laughs> if I'm gonna read about it in a romance novel I want it to be the appetizer or the dessert and not the main course <laughs> let's just put that metaphor out there and especially in the case of a character who, in Amelia's case, her character is, I am a people pleaser. I get pleasure by making other people happy. It's just not interesting to me, especially not when that's like, that's like, was the final sex scene of this book. Yeah, so I am less anti-blowjob. In romance novels, <laughs> as a plot service device than Meg is, like, there have been some Meg hasn't liked that I've been like, no, I understood how that was asserting her power, even though I don't always love blowjobs as a metaphor for power, you know. But here it wasn't even an attempt to be about her growth at all. Like, I'm pretty quick to be like, all right, they're being explicit that she's, like, into this. And it's not that she wasn't into it, but it was very clearly a, like, I want to make your night or mm-hmm. afternoon. And the other problem I had with it is it was in the goddamn library and then she doesn't get off. It was the worst because he was like, no, I'll take care of you. She's like, no, we don't have enough time. And I'm like, you always have time, Amelia. And like, I think I'm supposed to give him points for like planning on reciprocating, but I'm sorry, put it in the text or no, thank you. <laughs> exactly. Don't fade to black on carriage sex and don't have a woman turn down sex in a library. What the fuck is wrong with her? 
I know, Amelia, Amelia, not cool. Either, either no one gets off in the library or everyone gets off in the library. Correct. Words to live by. <laughs> so did we, is this like our favorite Tessa Dare? No. Is this a good romance novel? Yeah. Totally worth a read. We're going to read the rest of them. It's really horse centric. <laughs> there are a lot, there are lots of horses in this book. This was a quick read too. It was, it really was. Mm -hmm. This was a whoops. It's one in the morning and I'm done read. Yep. But not, I started it really late too. Like this was not just a page turner. It was a short page turner, which I cannot complain about. No, 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 no. I, Look, I enjoyed it a lot. Is it perfect? No. Is it fun? Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs>